Father, I ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. You alone are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated, friends. It's good to be with you today. As Father Bill mentioned, we have a ton uh, going on in church this morning. And the sermon will be slightly different. We're going to spend some time actually talking about all saints and the communion of the saints. Um, then we'll move into the creed, our prayers of the people, and uh, this will be a little bit unique, but we're going to spend some time during prayers of the people uh, remembering uh, those whom we love but see no longer, who are with the Lord, um, often called the faithful departed, which is appropriate on uh, this Sunday after All Saints. And this is principally, um, it's a feast of the church. It's one of the seven major feasts of the church, and we remember the Christian dead. Uh, again, those who we love but see no longer. Hebrews calls this the great cloud of witnesses. Revelation calls these those before the throne praising God. For us, we might think of parents, grandparents, friends, maybe children who have gone to be with the Lord. All Saints is a day where we remember. We worship and we give thanks um, all saints is just saints, the fancy word you could say hallows. So like Halloween is the evening before all saints, before all hallows. So we've kind of come through that this week. Uh, all saints on November 1st. Uh, one day, if we're not meeting here and we have facilities, we'll have a service on all saints day. Uh, but today we get to have it on the Sunday following. Um, a couple other things have happened. Uh, daylight savings. Did you enjoy your sleep? Was it good? Good. My daughter came in at 5.30 a.m. and said, hey, my alarm clock did not get the message. <laughs> and so I set it for 6.30, and here I am. So parents, uh, God bless you. I know that um, daylight savings and kids' schedules uh, don't really cooperate. So um, we had a baptism at the last service. That was super fun. We're welcoming new members. It's Sunday. We gather to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every Sunday. And so there's a lot going on. Uh, when I think of this particular day, All Saints, I always think of the Pixar film Inside Out. You know the Pixar film Inside Out? Um, it, it's this movie personifying the emotions of this young girl named Riley. Um, her family has just moved across the country, and it's showing how she's processing things. And it just takes each emotion, and they're personified as a different character. Um, by the way, we actually, when we moved from Texas to Georgia, took our son to see this movie, thinking it would be a lighthearted Pixar film, and it was not <laughs> for him. But they have these emotions personified. You have joy, sadness. I mentioned my daughter. She loves disgust. That was always her favorite character. Anger and fear. Um, it, it's a cute film. The premise is that you have these memories, and you curate them by emotion. So you, you take something you've remembered and it assigns an emotion to it. So that was a joyful memory. That was a sad memory. Uh, ooh, that was disgusting, etc. And, and as the movie evolves, I don't think I'm, you've had time to see it, right? I can spoil this a little bit. It's okay. Um, as the movie evolves, what you learn, and as this girl grows and matures, is that you can take a memory and you can actually assign different emotions to it. And so you can take a memory and go, oh, that was... Joyful, that was happy. Oh, and that was sad all at the same time. And the reason I always think of that is because that's kind of like All Saints Sunday. 
Because we're allowed to come in and not compartmentalize different emotions, but bring them all in. Um, again, I said this is a day where we think about those whom we love, but no longer see. So if, if we've had someone close to us who's with the Lord, it's going to be a lot of different emotions. We're going to have grief and worship and joy, and you're invited to bring all that into worship. Um, I actually think that's important. Um, that, that in worship, we would say, bring the full emotional range, not just happy, clappy, teeth gritting, pretending it's okay, and not just grievous despair, but we bring all of it before the Lord, and we do that together. The psalmist says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, and part of that is proper lament, uh, proper joyful grief. And so on all saints, we remember uh, the saints of God as the saints of God, who are part of what we often call the communion or the fellowship of the saints. Um, there's a few other things going on. I think this, this is a complex day. Uh, we also should, should think about how we're part of this group, that we're part of the communion of the saints. We're part of this fellowship that stretches thousands of years across peoples and nations and times, our own family and friends. Um, I think it's appropriate as we think about those whom we love but see no longer um, that we would contemplate our own mortality um, soberly, that, that we would think through the fact that we're not going to live forever. And what does that mean? And what does that mean in light of our faith or our questions about things? And so we think about if we have faith, hey, there's a future uh, beyond death when we will dwell with God forever. And we claim that, we remember that on a day like all saints, that we will join those whom we love but see no longer. We're mindful of the life of the world to come. Uh, as we say in the creed each week, we believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. This, this amazing time when God's glory will renew and flood and fill his good creation, the new heavens and the new earth. So I want to go through some of these themes today and just help you think about them. Um, it's not my most coherent sermon, and it's not the most coherent day. We're going to be all over the place a little bit. Is that okay? All right. I want to talk first about the communion of the saints. I had never heard this term growing up. Maybe you haven't heard this term either. But it's, it's a way to talk about the church, the body of Christ, that the fellowship of God's people, that they're in communion, uh, not just with God, but communion uh, with one another. Um, there's a, an Anglican theologian named Alistair McGrath. Here's what he says about the church. The church is not a static people, not a building, but a dynamic pilgrim people who are constantly moving on in faith and obedience. The church includes those who have gone ahead of us and those who will follow. It is a great fellowship of faith spanning ages and the continents. And I just want to help you shift that, that when you think about the saints, or each week when we say we believe in the communion of the saints, of course that means like the big well-known ones. St. <laughs> Paul. Uh, St. Mary Magdalene, Mother Teresa, like all these great luminaries in the church, but it also means your loved ones and your friends, ordinary men and women who have lived lives of faithfulness and have been filled with faith by our Lord. In fact, the term saint um, in the New Testament is synonymous with Christian. There's not a category of like saintly Christians and, and kind of less than. When Paul writes to churches, he will call them the holy ones, 
the household of faith, the saints of God. He writes to, to the Corinthians. If you know anything about First and Second Corinthians or the church there, they were a mess. They had issues. Like, I would not recommend joining that church probably. <laughs> like, it was really sketchy. And yet, Paul calls them holy ones, beloved of God, saints of the household of God. What's happening there? Well, he's not primarily calling them saints based on their own behavior or worth. He's ascribing them the honor and title of saint because of their being connected to Jesus. He's looking at the righteousness of Jesus and their connection to him, not their own mess and sinfulness. And so, I mean, I know myself, you know yourself, we're not saints. We struggle. We struggle with sin and doubt. We struggle with the things in this world. And yet, by faith, we are called saints in the New Testament. We are called holy ones. We, we are destined uh, to be glorified and to dwell with God eternally because we're connected to Jesus. If Christ is our head and we're his body, then we are counted as part of this fellowship and communion of the saints because of his supreme worth and love for us and because of God's grace and mercy that we're brought into this family. Every Christian is a saint because of our Lord. This means that the Holy Spirit somehow binds us together, which is an amazing concept to think about. Um, when I think about folks who I love but don't see anymore, um, that's what I'm aware of. Is that by the Spirit, by God's Holy Spirit, we have a connection. Um, and that's so much richer than what you hear might be more kind of popular notions of like, I walked outside and I looked in the cloud and it was, you know, a, a Georgia G, which spoke of football, which spoke of this... Or there was a whistling in the wind chimes. And every time the wind chime goes or that bird comes down, um, and I'm not saying those things are bad. Sometimes God can use those to comfort us for sure. But more deeply is this idea that by the Holy Spirit, we're still connected. And we're connected with them in the Lord. And actually, when we come to worship, we step into that connection in a special way that we gather and we worship, um, and you probably don't think of it this way, but when we gather and worship, it's not just the folks in this room. Because when we gather and worship, we join with the heavenly throne room and the throng gathered around singing praise to God. Um, the, the audience of our worship is the Lord, just like the audience of their worship is the Lord. There's a point later in our service during the communion uh, prayer, and we actually say, um, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. And then we sing this hymn from the scriptures that we're told the saints of God sing forever on repeat in his presence. We don't worship alone. We join in the worship of heaven. We join in the adoration of Jesus. I was thinking about um, one of the occupational hazards of ministry is I think you get a little more acquainted with death. Um, now, we, we've got some folks in our church that work in the medical field. 
um, cardiac PA, hospice nurses, that they're more acquainted from a different angle. But you get the privilege of walking through powerful moments with families, praying with people as they enter the presence of the Lord, uh, gathering for a service that, that is, is worship and remembrance and comfort. And sometimes it's really hard. Um, I, I think back to a church I served in Texas. We had uh, one of our staff members in his early 60s. Um, one day he just looked over to his wife. He was having trouble. He had a stroke and died. Um, I actually got pulled over by the police driving to the hospital. Um, and the policeman escorted me to the hospital, which was really nice. <laughs> I told him what was going on. Um, and we had to help our, our church family and our staff and this man's family. How, how, do, you, how do you go forward? Um, his wife was struggling because she was like, hey, when I, when I come to church, it's, it's painful Be, because I have this mix of emotions and it's really hard. She was on the vocal team, so she would stand in the choir loft. Um, and, and I remember telling her, Charlotte, um, when you come to church, you're nearer to Wayne, that was his name, than anywhere else. Because when you come to church and you worship the Lord, you're doing the same thing he's doing right now. That when you take communion, you're remembering that by the Spirit you are joined and you are one, and one day you will see him again. Um, and we were trying to just kind of um, teach folks this gently, uh, try to teach them this ahead of time if we could, because you can't learn much. Like when you're grieving is not the time for education. <laughs> some of y'all know it. We have some counselors here. You know this. When someone's grieving, you sit and you hug and you cry. Um, but before that, we can get a Christian view of these things. And we can be more prepared when unexpected things uh, do happen. We, we can think through the fact that when we gather, we gather with all of God's people. But when we gather, we, we can trust that those whom we love but no longer see, that they're safe, that they're resting with the Lord, that they're joyfully worshiping Him. And so we can bring all of our emotions, joy and sadness like Pixar, and bring that all on a day like all saints. Uh, Bishop N.T. Wright um, has written a book called For All the Saints. After the song we sang, he's written a lot about the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. I, I'd commend some of his stuff to you. Surprised by Hope. Uh, it, it's a book about our ultimate hope and the Lord. But he writes this, The Christian dead are held firmly within the conscious love of God, and the conscious presence of Jesus while they await the day of resurrection. He says, since both the departed saints and we ourselves are in Christ, then we share with them in the communion of the saints. And don't miss this. They are still our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, we're still connected with them. Uh, we can trust that, that when our loved one dies and goes to be with the Lord, they're in his presence. Paul in Philippians said, um, I desire to depart and be with the Lord. Um, I don't think he was saying, I desire to depart and be with the Lord, and since I'm Paul, I'm going to be right there, and you scrubs got to wait a while. He's saying, if you're a believer in Jesus, then you go to be with him. And you go to worship, and we expect this incredible thing when all of history is summed up, the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. And that's not just for super saints, that's for all God's people. People living ordinary lives as the kingdom. I want to talk about that just a little bit. Um, because many of us, most of us, will, will 
live ordinary lives of Christian faithfulness. Ordinary in the best sense of the word. Uh, Day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, doing the work God has given us to do. And really the charter for that kind of life is found in our gospel reading from the Sermon on the Mount. You get these three incredible chapters in the Gospel of Matthew, five, six, and seven, where Jesus is teaching, here's what my kingdom is like. Here's what I'm calling uh, folks to as ordinary followers, ordinary saints. And it's this, the scene is amazing. Where the Sermon on the Mount is, it's right by the Sea of Galilee. It's next to Capernaum, where Peter and Andrew grew up. It's kind of home territory for Jesus. He's posted on a mountain, I think, because he didn't have cool microphones like we have. I mean, Jesus probably could have amplified, but you get the idea. And he's just teaching. And his teaching had to be shocking because he begins with this list of blessed are these people. And let me just read them to you and see if you think these people are blessed. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. They shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, I don't know about you, but none of that sounds like a job description I would enjoy. Naturally, if you looked in the first century to say, who is God's favor on? Who is being blessed by God? It wouldn't be these people. (laughs) And so there's this counterintuitive sense in which Jesus comes and says, those who um, seem like they're at the bottom of the list, God's favor is upon them. He notices them. Uh, Those who are getting beat up by life, he says, know that there will be a day of rejoicing. He's not dangling that like a cheap little carrot. He's saying, really? God's blessing be upon you. Um, It's interesting that when Jesus comes, the, the right kind of people don't respond correctly and the wrong kind of people do. And that's the way of his kingdom. This upside down reality, the kingdom of God and being called to follow him. Um, when I read this list, um, it should kind of ask us, hey, are we blessed by God? Are we part of this? Um, and not that we seek some of these things out, by the way. <laughs> Uh, He doesn't say, you know, go seek out persecution or go seek out mourning. He's saying, if that's what you're going through, God is with you. And God is present and there will be a day of rejoicing. Um, One scholar, uh, Pinchas Lapide, here's how he summarizes this. I love it. He says, to those suffering from hunger, to the destitute, the marginal members of society who suffer day after day from the futility of all their exertions, hope is given that despite all appearances to the contrary, the suffering and struggling will turn out to be meaningful. That God's plan of salvation for humans is drawing near. That God is the ruler of the world. and That that same God who is the ruler of the world is the God of the lowly. 
dwelling among the poor and the repentant, the kingdom of God is near. So Jesus announces this wonderful news that you're blessed, that there's blessing, that there's gospel. And I think when I, when I think about a day like All Saints, one, I just give thanks that, that we're counted holy because of Jesus. But then secondly, I, I hold something like the Beatitudes up like a, like a mirror and say, how, do I, how, do I, how am I doing? Where does the Lord ask me to grow? If this is the kingdom of God, how do we live into that? How do we participate in it? How do we live lives now that will make sense? Ultimately, those kind of questions uh, come to us. Um, we, we see here the, these individuals who are they're humble and, and they're seeking justice and they're seeking peace. You could actually put all those beatitudes in those three categories, humility, justice, and peace, the moral themes of these beatitudes. And what God tells us, especially on a day like all saints, is that one day all of this blessing shall come to pass. I mean, over and over where they say the kingdom of heaven is theirs, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This thing that is already here and is coming that we long for and wait on. And we who are here can follow Jesus now and live lives that make sense in light of the kingdom. Um, just the very next chapter, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives a teaching that we probably all know. Because they say, hey, how should we pray? And it says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, we know this, right? The Lord's Prayer. They go on, they're praying the Lord's Prayer. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done where? On earth, as it is in heaven. It's a mind-boggling thing on all saints to go that the life of heaven will one day invade and renew and flood God's creation again. Um, and those of us who, who are counted privileged by the grace and mercy of God to follow Jesus, we can go ahead now and be at work for God's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, we can ask that to be true in our lives and our families and our friendships. We can do that. All saints, this day about those who have been called and made holy by King Jesus. We're going to spend some time in prayer, but I will say as much as this is about those who have died that we love and see no longer, it's still a worship service of Jesus. <laughs> um, that, that's our, our ultimate focus, and we're even bringing that to him. All saints has to be about the one who makes us saints, not the saints themselves. It has to still be about Jesus. Um, and so, yeah, we remember those who, who looked like the Beatitudes, who were humble and pursued justice and peace, those who were blessed by God. We ask God to console us as we grieve, as we remember faithfully those who, who have gone on before us. But even more, we give thanks and honor and glory to King Jesus, the one who is truly holy, truly righteous, who has given us his righteousness. And Jesus has a lot of titles in the scriptures. Like sometimes there's whole songs. All they do is just list the titles of Jesus, right? Now, I try this every year and no one's done it yet. So I'm going to try it again this year. I think we need a new title for Jesus. Like right alongside like Christ, Lamb of God, Son of God, Son of Man, Prince of Peace, King Jesus. What about Jesus the Saint Maker? The one who's let us all come into his presence. The one who we hear in Romans that we're being conformed to the image of his son Jesus. God is making us like Jesus. 
and ultimately will make us like Jesus forever. Like, like the fact that we're called saints by grace, we actually can trust that one day we will be saints truly because God will glorify us and we will dwell with him forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.